It is time for another episode of A Call Away. Adam Giardino with you. I'm the radio broadcaster for the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, the New York Yankees AAA affiliate. And this week, we have another guest as we continue to move about the system. A couple weeks ago, we spoke with the AA broadcaster for the Trenton Thunder, John Moses. We spoke with Nick Flamia in high A with the Tampa Tarpons last week. And this week, we're down in single A, Charleston, South Carolina, with Matt Dean, who's been with the Charleston River Dogs now for several seasons. When guys are down with the Charleston River Dogs, they're usually several years away from making an impact up in New York, but it's never too early to get some of those names on the radar. So we talked to Matt about four position players. We talked to him about four pitchers. And then we have a little fun at the end talking about one of my favorite promotions in all of minor league baseball this year, Helen McGuckin Night, which, frankly, in my 10 years in minor league baseball, might be my favorite promotion that I've ever seen any team run. And Matt had a little hand in that. So fun to talk to him about that at the very end. So stick with the interview all the way through. I guarantee it's a good listen. So up right now, Matt Dean with the Charleston River Dogs. And where we begin with him is his overall assessment of the 2019 season for the Charleston River Dogs. First off, thanks for having me. Um, I think it was a really special year um, for the River Dogs. I think just me looking back, uh, this is my fourth season with the team. Um, I really truly feel like depth-wise, like top to bottom, it was probably the most talented River Dogs teams that I've seen. Uh, raw talent in the field didn't necessarily translate to the most winning season that we've seen. The team was in the playoff chase down to at least two days left to go each half. So they were they were playing for a title, didn't quite make the playoffs or, you know, have that run where you look back and you know who was on this South Atlantic championship team or anything like that. But I think top to bottom one of the most talented teams we've seen. A lot of turnover on the pitching staff, uh, but we got to see Ronzi Contreras there the whole year. Uh, we got to see a really solid core of position players who, whether it was age, injuries, stuck around for the whole year. And we got to see uh, a few guys on the position player end that, that we're going to get into like really shine and, and stand out throughout the year. So it was, it was a fun year. It's interesting that you mentioned that, that guys stuck around on the offensive side. Because in AAA, we know that things are out of our control in terms of injuries up in the big leagues. That's what dictates roster moves. But down at your level, it's normally when guys play well, they leave. So did you have an, did, did you have an idea at the beginning of the year that, okay, there's a group of guys that even if they play well, you know, a Kanan Smith, a Josh Stowers, that they're not going to get promoted no matter what? I think that's kind of how it felt, honestly, with Kanan Smith. It didn't really matter how well he was going to hit because it, it always felt like the guys in Tampa in the outfield, it was like, okay, you, you see why, like, obviously, Esteban Florial, when he's healthy, he's getting everyday reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you look at the roster that they had in Tampa this year, and then you look at, I think Keenan Smith probably the whole year was like the third guy in the list just out of speculation to probably move up to the next level. He started out the year. He was only 19 years old. He turned 20 uh, at the end of April. We share a birthday, so I know it is April 30th. It was <laughs> and, uh, and it just felt like, okay, like Josh Stowers is a more advanced college guy. Uh, he's a little bit older. Brandon Lockridge was a, was a three-year college guy as well, too. Those guys were playing well. It felt like 
had stores maybe stayed healthy the whole year. It felt like to me he was the first guy on the list who was the most polished to move up. He had some inconsistencies. I think like a lot of it had to do with injury, uh, at least some of it. But I felt like he was at the top of the list in terms of outfielders to move up. And it just felt like, yeah, Cam Smith, uh, after a while, if, even though he had insane stretches, he went in a 25 for 50 stretch from like <laughs> mid-July to August. And, and even then, it was kind of like, it just always felt like, okay, like he's he's not he's not going to move up. There's, there's no room. And I think there's other guys that were older that they maybe need to usher up the system a little faster. How did he view the year? He had great numbers and he got on the radars. I think of a lot of Yankee fans that keep tabs on the lower minor leagues. So was he good with it and just sort of rolled with the punches? Yeah, he was a lot of fun to cover. Honestly, like he's been one of my favorite guys just, just to chat with, just to be around on a day-to-day basis. He like he's a guy who like peaks at the numbers a lot. <laughs> he's looking at his stats, and he'll admit that. And I, and I think maybe that that maybe got into his head a little bit the year prior. Because I mean, he did not have a good year in, in Staten Island the season prior. He batted under two hundred. He basically said he was trying to hit home runs too much. But man, I mean, he he was just terrific this year. He was having fun. Where I think he got the right mentality just from talking to him. Where yeah, he would look at the numbers, but he wouldn't get hung up on it. I mean, of course, it's easy when you're you know going like twenty five for fifty and hitting over three hundred the whole year. Yeah. But he didn't he didn't hang on a bad day too often. I think he really used the numbers like as milestones to celebrate the season. You know, he made a big deal out of it when he got the double digit homers. When he stole his fifteenth base of the year at the end of the season, which is insane. Like he's a bigger guy. He had never even attempted a stolen base the year prior. He like looked toward the dugout and started flashing a one five to his teammates. Like he probably enjoyed that accomplishment more than, <laughs> than anything else <laughs> they did all year. Like he was looking at the numbers, but I think like using it in the right way where he's using it to celebrate a long season mark some milestones rather than get like hung up on like what he did over four that day or anything like that so that, that was fun to watch yeah and it is always easier to look at the numbers when you're not looking up at the video board and a 177 is flashing back at you or something like that yeah absolutely looking at the other couple of position players that jump out that didn't have as much time we talked about smith we talked about stowers couple of catchers, and these are guys that Yankee fans would be pretty intrigued about. A couple of guys that were first and second round picks the last few years. So I'll let you take your pick. Josh Bro, Anthony Siegler, where do you want to start? I think we should start with Bro. I definitely saw a lot more of him. He was tremendously impressive. I mean, in the sample size that he had, what, he played like 50-something games, I think it was. The guy just was like on another level. Uh, at, at the end of April, he had some crazy stretch where, you know, he had driven in, you know, something like 28 runs in a 24-game span. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, RBI, I know, is like kind of thought of as like an outdated stat, mm-hmm. but I mean, he was like just, every time he just happened to be coming up to the plate, it felt like the offense was really clicking, so there was always a guy on base ahead of him. He was smacking a double, smacking a homer every time, and just easy all-fields power, where it, it feels like at times he's swinging too hard, but then you just see him like take a nice easy stroke and, and launch a tank out the opposite way really impressive he's got a lot of swing and miss in his game i mean he was just crushing it in single a i I don't think we would have seen him there the whole year had he stayed healthy he he still is pretty raw his arm is insanely good he has huge raw power he's he's definitely like a work in progress for sure in terms of like becoming uh, a true hitter but he was really impressive and you know, I, I would expect him to be in high A to start next year, I would think, and maybe on his way up if he continues progressing yeah. like he did. He was really impressive. 
And then, so for Anthony Siegler, if you're a Yankees fan and you know anything about him, I think the one fun fact that everybody knows about is the ability to switch hit, but the ability to switch throw as well. And I think he, he taught himself Spanish in the offseason so he could be, be able to better communicate with these low-A pitchers. I mean, it sounds like beyond what he does on the field that he's just a fascinating guy. Yeah, he, he really was, you know, he was injured for a big chunk of the season, joined us right before the, the All-Star break in mid-June. But yeah, I think what stands out about Siegler like, is like that the way that he emphasizes relationship building with uh, the staff. Like you said, he learned Spanish in the off-season. I asked him if he brought his six-fingered glove with him at any point. <laughs> he, we did, he did not have the six-fingered glove with him, but you would see him when it was like his off day or he was DHing that night. He would play catch on the field a lot of times with Daniel Bees, uh, who ended up in the fall league this year. He would be playing catch out there left-handed on a day when you know they told him, hey, take a break and don't throw. Uh, he would go out and keep his left arm a little loose, just kind of messing around with it. The Yankees certainly don't have any plans of him going back to switch pitching at all. Um, but that's, I mean, it's just impressive when you hear about that, just like the athleticism that it takes. He, you know, I, I think he was a little bit overmatched, but only being 19, he really, most of the season was a wash for him. I think he's a guy that we'll, we'll probably see back in Charleston next year and certainly got to keep an eye on. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was some impressive, definitely, especially off-the-field stuff like we were talking about with him wanting to form those relationships with the pitchers and what he can do athletically I think makes him exciting. J.D. Klosser, the catching coordinator for the New York Yankees, was in town a couple of times in Scranton this year, so I had a chance to pick his brain. And he was talking about Bro and about Siegler and talked about how hard the staff, at least at the start of the year when you had the full complement of guys, and we'll talk about them one by one, the pitching staff, but by and large, the pitching staff in Charleston, at least at the start of the year, was the hardest throwing staff. They were throwing harder. Their average fastball velocity was harder than double A, triple A, whatever the level was. Did you ever get to talk to them about their development as guys coming out of the draft and all of a sudden needing to catch 97, 98, night in and night out? Yeah, we saw a couple of times in the game. I remember with Anthony Siegler, we're in the middle of the game. All of a sudden, he had to go over to the dugout and switch out his catching mitt. <laughs> I kind of asked him, I was like, I was like, man, are you guys just wearing it out? He's like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's nuts to think about. I mean, Anthony Siegler, a year ago, before he joined us, a little over a year ago, was you know facing Georgia high schoolers. He debuted with us when we were in Rome, Georgia, in a stadium where he actually played a high school state championship game and homered in it. Um, his first at bat with us, he almost homered off of Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> that is first uh, re- like rehab appearance coming back after they signed him uh, midseason, and, and yeah. Siegler got to face him in Rome, Georgia, which is like 15 minutes away from his hometown in Cartersville. Uh, but yeah, like he talked about like just how valuable that was for him to get to like handle that pitching staff because I mean it might be like you said it might be the hardest throwing staff that he has coming up to the minor leagues just to have all those guys in one place Contreras, Heal, Medina and then this guy you know like it, it was a lot of gas thrown early and I think Siegler really realized like the value that he was getting from it and that was I think one of the reasons why they wanted to get Siegler a chance to, to catch a class A probably specifically because of that staff. I mean, you see those guys as future stars, and then Siegler just introducing him to pro ball like that, I think was valuable. So let's talk about those guys you said, Contreras, Heal, Medina, Vizcaino. So of those four, Rolansi Contreras, Luis Heal, Luis Medina, Alex Vizcaino, which of the four impressed you the most this year? Uh, I think that you have to just select out Luis Heal, to me, stood out as just the guy who, showed the most flashes of just outright dominance. I mean, he when he was here, he was striking out, you know, over 
111 batters per nine. Uh, he was going out, and when, when, once his arm got loosened up after his first few outings, I mean, he was going out routinely de- delivering at least five, six innings. These guys are on a six-man rotation, so they can you know, lengthen out a little bit. But, I mean, just flashes of dominance. You talk about like, the swing and miss stuff. Our pitching coach, Gabe Lukert, said that going into the year, Luis Hill was basically, I mean, the Yankees traded him straight up for Jake Cave, who's become like a productive outfielder in the big leagues. But like Luis Hill was basically a one-pitch pitcher. Like he was a huge project. So give credit to, you know, the Yankees pitching coordinators, to, to Gabe from working with him at Charleston. I mean, he, we watched him develop at two pitches that he was reliably going to in big spots where he got the breaking ball going. He was throwing the change up a little bit in important counts. And, I mean, he was basically a guy that was coming in with a wild fastball that he was struggling to locate. And then he was at least consistently enough throwing enough strikes with, with the secondary stuff where, I mean, he just tore through the league. I, I couldn't believe we had him for as long as he did. Heel to me, was the guy that, that looked just the most outright dominant. I think has a chance to be a starter, maybe more so than some of the other hard throwers on the team. And as far as scouts that I've heard, though, so Heel has impressed a lot. They would say that the guy with the highest potential, maybe the best pure stuff, I've heard Luis Medina of that quartet. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I mean, does Medina have electric stuff, too? Yeah, he, he definitely does. And, and I, I think that was, was the report going into the years, like Medina might have the best stuff in the minor leagues. And I think that's certainly true. I, I think what stood out, I think Heel was like so dominant. Like the scouts that I talked to, like Medina, of course, was struggling with command and his fastball's electric. The, the breaking ball is, I mean, that was that was one of the best pitches that okay. I've ever seen. The breaking ball is outstanding. The velocity's there. What, what like scouts talked about with heel was just how he had such a quick arm action that it's like 96 97 but like playing up from there because it's just like popping out of his hand faster than you'd expect so i think medina opened up a little bit and maybe it's something in his delivery that he can work out and i think was starting to work out but i think heel just has like a little bit of the arm action and deception that made him a little bit more effective but yeah i wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with somebody that, that said Luis Medina had the best stuff of anyone on that staff. I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. And by the t- his last three or four starts with us, I mean, he outright dominated. And, and Medina was outstanding down the stretch before he went up to Tampa. And even another guy that was really outstanding down the stretch, he strung a couple of really good starts together, was Roansi Contreras. So um, where do you think he leaves off in 2019 heading into 2020? Glowingly about Heal and Medina. I mean, Contreras, I think, is like a guy that got lost in the shuffle. He was the youngest guy in the system that was on a full season roster to start the year. He spent the whole year. He's still 19. He's going to turn 20 sometime in November. Um, and he was, the, he was the one guy that stuck with us uh, the whole season. And Contreras, I, I see more of a guy that he's more refined, has more pinpoint command than a Heal or a Medina or even a Vizcaino. You know? So I think he's a guy where you feel good about the way that he's facing you know hitters that are so much older than him he's a guy where you're like okay this guy's going to be a starter he's going to be a reliable you know back end middle of the rotation type of guy um i think he's more of there's no fallback plan with him of like going to the bullpen i would say as much as like healer medina it's like all right well if they can't figure it out with the secondary stuff mm-hmm. the command as much they could still be dynamic relievers Contreras is a guy where it's like no now he's showing the makings of being a starter i think that's kind of like where he has to end up but Contreras, I think what stands out about him, the stuff is good. He's a hard thrower. I mean, he's kind of the soft tosser at times relative to these <laughs> other guys. But he he was just very poised. He was the youngest guy on the staff, but 
never got rattled. Like we would see times where Medina was kind of fighting with his command and you'd see some body language that maybe you don't want to see. But Contreras, always very stoic, very poised, very focused. And, and I think just that confidence that he pitches with for even a guy who doesn't like get off the bus and look as good as he or mm-hmm. Medina or these huge imposing guys, <laughs> Contreras, when he gets on the mound is imposing and confident. And you, you're like, you really like what you see when, when he's working. And then the last player I'll ask you about here in this group of offense pitchers. So now, Alex Vizcaino, where does he fall in in this group as we talk about Contreras and Heal and Medina? Yeah, I, I think like to me, to me personally, like Heal, I think is the top of the list. But but I think Vizcaino, I mean, I think he's right there with those other three. This group was so good. I think Vizcaino was the guy who probably broke out more so among fans than anyone else, but they, they talked about just as highly of him. Our, our six-man rotation to open the year, five of them were all top 30 prospects, you know, in MLB.com and Baseball mm-hmm. America going into the year. Uh, we also had Matt Sauer, who only made a couple of starts and, and went down with Tommy John. But this guy, you know, like the, the Yankees folks that we had talked to spoke just as highly about him as some of these other guys. And this guy, you know, another hard thrower, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of a guy who throws as hard as he does, and all scouts and evaluators can talk about is how great his changeup is. Hmm. That's the first thing you hear about him every time. The okay. changeup, just like late movement, drops off the table. Like he's throwing it at a solid 90 miles an hour sometimes. The changeup is just out, outright phenomenal. Heel was kind of a one pitch guy going into the year. This guy, you know, like had the good fastball, had the changeup, and then he really took off when, when he started working on the slider and really getting a decent feel for that. Uh, but the changeup is outstanding. And you hear so many glowing reviews for it from a guy who throws also 96, 97 plus. Uh, he was great. And, and I think he's I think he's right there in the mix. You know, he's, he's maybe a little less volatile because he has those two great pitches than maybe, you know, Medina is where he could be the best of the bunch. Uh, but I think these guys, you know, because of, of him already having these two really, really good pitches, I think is right there with them when you consider, you know, the floor and the ceiling, all things together. So as we run through a list of eight guys for the Charleston River Dogs, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit on what the offseason looks like for you. You're from Wisconsin, but you now make Charleston, South Carolina home year round. So myself, I'm seasonal in minor league baseball. I kind of go back and forth. You're there year round. What does the offseason look like for you down there? I mean, Charleston is great because, honestly, probably some of the best weather of the year is now. <laughs> like, in this late fall, we don't have much of a winter down here. Yep. Uh, so I get to enjoy a lot of time outdoors and really get to soak that in down here. And then, yeah, just ramp it up. I mean, the River Dogs always pride ourselves on being kind of cutting edge with weird ideas promotionally. Uh, so our staff does a really good job of getting together weekly and at least for a couple of hours bouncing ideas off of each other, coming up with the crazy promotions that we're going to be doing for the next year. And then, you know, our staff's been growing down here. We're, we're getting more fans every year. So we're starting to, to hit the ground pretty hard uh, here after, after September and selling for next year. So doing some sales, coming up with some crazy ideas for next season and we've got well i think when i started here a few years ago we had about 20 22 full season employees or up to 30 or full-time employees or up to 30 so we have a lot going on our staff's growing and uh charleston is a great city to visit but also a lot of people are moving here it's a fun place to live this is my 10th year in minor league baseball and i think this year you guys had my favorite promotion that I'd heard of in the 10 years of minor league baseball. So fill us in on what Helen McGuckin night was 
and fill everybody in on the post-mortem of that because I know she couldn't attend and I need to know I need to know what's happened since. Right. So this all started in the 2018 season. We get these Google reviews and I get some updates on like, you know, being one of the administrators of like the Rubber Dogs, my business on Google. We basically found a review of the Rubber Dogs. We, you know, we do a good job. I feel like we most often get four and five star reviews. And so when a two star review comes across our desk, we're a little bit surprised. And so I clicked on it and opened it and it just said two star review. And the only uh, response or the, the only review written in it was just drove by and they gave us two out of five stars. <laughs> the name was funny. Her name was Helen McGuckin. We found that apparently she was a, a frequent local reviewer uh, on Google of things, all things in Charleston. And she had a funny name. It was stupid. I just forwarded it just to laugh at it to a couple of other people on staff. And it was somebody else on her staff, honestly, I don't even remember who, who basically said, oh, we should, this is a very uh, like minor league baseball idea. We should like invite this woman out to the ballpark show her a great night out and then hopefully at the end of the night she reassesses her review and gives us a five-star review hopefully so that was the plan we had no way to contact helen mcguckin other than to just drop her name everywhere throughout the season we would put messages up on the video board call us helen we're looking for you one of our season ticket holders like had helen mcguckin as like a client of theirs and she said oh my god we know this person and and helen called and our promotions director nate Grant had a call transferred to his desk and someone said nate calls for you and he said who is it and she said well it's helen mcguckin so we picked it up and basically helen for the first five minutes had to convince nate that she wasn't just one of his friends like prank calling him and you know, I had to prove that she was actually Helen McGuckin. We got in touch with her. We had a plan come through to have her come out to the ballpark, and then she had something come up and, and ended up kind of backing out and wasn't able to make it for some personal reasons. So we had Cynthia Linhart, our office manager, stand in as Helen, and we still had some fun with it. Pretended she was Helen. Cynthia attends a few games. She's mostly, like, you know, works our front desk and call the River Dogs. She's the one that's picking up the phone. Mm -hmm. And still, when she comes to a game, some people that – don't know otherwise just wave towards say hey Helen so some people still call her that because of that reason big thanks to Matt for being part of our podcast this week and thanks to you for making a call away part of your week once again I'm Adam Giardino you can follow me on Twitter I'm at Adam Giardino G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O coming up next week on the pod well I don't know yet we had those three interviews lined up pretty confidently, and then from here in the minor league offseason, I have to see where it goes. Arizona Fall League action is ramped up in high gear. There's an opportunity to take a look back at some of the top performers up and down the system this year as well. Plenty of options, plenty of avenues to explore. And the one thing I do know is that we will talk to you again next week right here on A Call Away.